This is Parsha Panorama. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Balak, which as we're going to see, if we don't recognize it already, it is one of the most unique Parshios in the entire Torah, as it is the only Parsha of its kind, really, that is purely from the vantage point of the enemy, of Balak and Bilam, the two individuals who collaborated in attempt to eliminate Klal Yisrael. Balak was the king of Moab at the time, the Chumash tells us, and Bilam was the hired sorcerer, maybe a Navi, and professional cursor. He was going to curse the Bnei Yisrael. And apparently in order to appreciate um, Parshas Balak, you also have to accept and appreciate that there was apparently some Chachma to the concept of cursing an individual and somehow thwarting them from a distance. Um, the truth is, as people who believe in the theology of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and in the Torah, at least, um, you know, there's the, the Torah version of the theology that we believe in, so we also appreciate this concept of being able to impact something from a distance by just using your words. However, what we're going to see that there are differences between the way Bilam tried to use it and the way we use it every single day. Maybe for a different discussion, maybe it will come up later this week, I'm on the podcast in the Shiorim, Bezras Hashem. But what we're going to focus on right now is the unique place of Parshas Balak in the Chumash, in Sefer Bamidbar, in the Torah at large, and of course, um, the components of the Parsha. So, with that said, we have in the specific components of Parsha's Balak, I have three basic components. Number one, we have just the general story of Balak and Bilam. We have plan A, which is to curse the Bnei Israel. We have the conversation between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Bilam, Hashem telling Bilam, do not go. Bilam keeps on pressing him, he wants to go, because Balak keeps on pressing Bilam. And ultimately, Hashem allows him to go. Um, this we see um, from from Chazal, that on the on the wrote the path that a person wants to go to, if he's really, really insistent, so Hashem will lead him in that direction, even if Hashem will not allow him to ultimately succeed, but Hashem ultimately allows Bilam to go. We have the story, which in many ways is comical, the story of the angel blocking Bilam, and the donkey, the she-donkey, the ason, talking back to Bilam. Fine, we have the general story. Then section two, we actually have the blessings or the nevuos, the prophecies, or the mishalom, as the Chumash refers to them, which Bilam um, speaks. And there are four rounds of of blessings or prophecies that that are issued from the mouth of Bilam, um, which um, happens in the earshot of Balak. Balak is seeing each one. Balak tries to offer carbonos, and um, and um, and the the goal is for Bilam to curse the Bnei Israel. And in the four rounds of blessings, so if I can summarize each blessing into just a couple of words, I would say the first round, Bilam essentially tells Balak, how can I curse the Bnei Israel if Hashem is not allowing me to? And Bilam gives them one of the greatest blessings. He says, he says I should merit to even die among them. All right, um, um, the, the lesson he uses. Tamos nafshi mosi sharem, I should be zochet to die with the upright. So, a pretty uh, heavy blessing. And then, on um, the second round, basically when Balak tells Bilam to go back and do it again, or just to do it better this time, 
Um, so Bilam's um, Nuvua response is basically, nope, uh, God meant it. You know, God doesn't intend to change his mind on this one. Because there is no recognizable sin or sorcery among Klal Yisrael, it's not going to work. And the question is, does it mean that th- there's no sin that could possibly be detected in all of Sefer Midbar? You can't find an Avera in Kalal Yisrael. So we'll have, maybe have to address that question as well. Um, the other possibility which um, emerges from Rashi is that Hashem is choosing not to look at the sins of Kalal Yisrael. That this is in fact an act of chesed and rachman on Hashem's part. Hashem is not willing to recognize maybe even existence sins. For some reason, Hashem is willing to overlook uh, maybe because there's no sorcery in Klai Israel, that maybe in their core Klai Israel is wonderful, even if they have sullied themselves in Averis sometimes. And um, Bilam compares um, the Bnei Israel to a lion. Fine. In this third round, we have the famous bracha of Matovo Alecha Yaakov Mishkan Sech Israel. Bilam talks about the tents of Klai Israel. The Midrashim talk about what that means, whether the Bati Medrash, whether it means the encampments. The, the 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 home the homes of Klai Israel. He talks about how the kingdom of of the Bnei Israel is exalted, and he once again compares the Bnei Israel to a lion. This is the second time he does that, and he says that they are a blessed people. So there's not not much happening. At that point, Balak's already done asking Bilam to 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 curse the Bnei Israel, and then Bilam goes at it again with um, a more messianic kind of a prophecy where he dresses some of the nations. Uh, particularly, he addresses the Bnei Israel. He addresses Edom and Amalek and and Cainy um, of all people. Um, um, you know, separate idea maybe for later this week if we have if we have time to talk about um, the special place of Cainy, um, who is apparently another name for Yisro according to the Midrashim. But basically, Bilam addresses uh, a handful of nations and talks about what their fate is going to be in the future. So we have some lost Lavo kind of of Nevuos. Um, coming from Bilam. So all of those are the four rounds of prophecies which Bilam um, um, speaks, which are the, the nevuos that Hashem um, inserts into Bilam's mouth. And then just when you think, you know, okay, yeah, like um, uh, Bilam is the is the butt of the story, he's the loser of the story, and Balak, and they're all frustrated, there is a plan B. And plan B involves... And this is what I have as my section three. So section one is, is the story of plan A. Um, section two is the actual blessings and prophecies themselves. And section three is, is the plan B, which um, again involves the um, the intermarriage, um, we'll call it, um, between Klai Israel and the Midyani and Moavi women. Now, although in this week's Parsha, the Chumash does not in fact tell us that this was Bilam's idea, um, it's not explicit, there are explicit um, partios elsewhere that are, make it very clear that this was Bilaam's plan. Um, Goodby comes up in Parshas uh, Pinchas um, or Matos. I, th- I think it comes up in Parshas Matos, but definitely in Sefer Devarim. It's um, the, the, the Devar Bilaam. This is very clearly the matter of Bilaam. Now, a separate question you can ask is why does the Chumash in Parshas Balak not tell us that this plan B was actually Bilaam's plan? It just seems to be that it just happened on its own. The Chumash does not tell us in this week's Parsha that Bilaam came up with this plan. But again, in other Parshios, it's, it's explicit. 
Um, so that's a question that maybe we'll also come back to, Be'ezra HaShem. Um, but lest you think that this was just a Chazal concocted idea, that this was Bilam's plan, um, you know, we just needed to attribute the plan to somebody, so we're just saying that it was Bilam. So no, Chazal didn't actually make this up. This is from the Chumash, just not in our Parsha. Um, but anyway, so Bilam's plan B, which is the intermarriage, um, which culminates into the mass worship of Baal Pa'or, right? This was the plan of the intermarriage, that, that the wives should bring in their, um, their Avodah A similar um, phenomenon happened in the times of Shlomo HaMelech, um, the question of how explicitly did Shlomo HaMelech serve Avodah Zarah. Um, so um, we assume that he didn't actually serve them themselves, but he did tolerate them in his home. And maybe we could say the same thing for other members of Klai Israel, but um, presumably there was a bunch of people actually serving the Avodah Zarah. Um, and this is one of the things that happens when you, you know, marry into the nations of the world, you, what, what you adopt. And so this leads to a plague that, um, that starts you know, killing out Klai Israel, and Pinchas stops the plague when he kills Zimri. Now, we learn the name of Zimri in next week's Parsha, in Parsha's Pinchas. Maybe also a separate question, why the story of Pinchas is not, um, you know, is not in Parsha's Pinchas, but it's in Parsha's Balak. So there, there are a lot of questions that, you know, and these are, these are questions that you won't necessarily lose sleep over. These are questions to consider when you learn through the story of, uh, the stories of Balak and Bilam and then Pinchas ultimately. But these are the sections that make up Parsha's Balak. We have, again, once again, the story of Bilam and Balak and the, 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 the plan, the plan A, cursed the B'nai Israel, And then we have the actual, um, the attempts. Section 2 was all the blessings and prophecies. And then section 3, we have ultimately plan B, which is much more successful. Okay? So the, the, those make up our Parsha. Now, let's, um, let's talk about a larger global question. It also, this pertains to the unique nature of Parshas Balak. But the question ultimately is, why, in fact, this Parsha matters? Right? Um, we, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, again, it's unique. We have you know, a story from the vantage point of the villain. If you could think of you know, any, any series, any, any um, you know, um, um, you know if, uh, if you ever you know, watched a show that has a villain, so... You know, but if you ever, if you ever done such a thing, so you know, there's a fad right now. Right now, there's a fad of of, of movies coming out. You know, the Hollywood's running out of ideas, so they they're going to old movie concepts, and they're just saying, here's here's a prequel about about the villain. So the, 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 this is a new genre, um, but um, again, it's because they, they can't come up with new actual new concepts. So you have something from the vantage point of, of the enemy. And that's what we find in our Parsha. We have shades of this in Parsha Shemos, right? The very beginning of Shemos, we see the inside of Paro's palace and what, what they're talking about there. And as we're going to see, it's quite connected. Um, but... The question is, why, why did we need this parsha? Like, you know, just, just, you know, so we should know, you know, uh, about this information that we should know that this happened. Because again, like, since it is from the vantage point of the enemy, we, you know, we did not have to actually know about this story technically. 
Meaning, at the time that it was happening, we certainly didn't know it was happening, and we wouldn't know till someone tells us about it later. You know, maybe till we saw it in the Torah ourselves, we might not have known about it. Um, we would have known that there was an enemy named Babylon because Bilam is later going to be killed in the war um, with Midian. So there is certainly um, what to know about these people, Moab and Midian. But this whole entire Parsha seems like it didn't have to happen, yet this Parsha we see almost made it into Kriya Shema, um, at least parts of it. Um, the Gemara and Brachos and Daphia Beis talks about it, but it was ultimately not added in. Um, but the, the point is that this entire Parsha apparently is a very important Parsha. The fact that it's here is important, because if, if, if it wouldn't be here, then you know, we wouldn't know about it. So clearly uh, the Parsha itself matters. But again, you know, the narrative could have flowed without us knowing this story. So that's why I point this out. So it begs the question, why this Parsha is here? What, in fact, is the impact of Parshas um, Balak? Also, the question of how did we get here? What exactly brought us to this point in the story? Right? All of a sudden, you know, for, for, we're looking at Kleistral the entire time. Then all of a sudden we shift gears and then we're looking at uh, someone else. We're looking at Balak. And Balak, you know, Balak making phone calls to Bilam. Like, well, why, why did the camera shift? You know, well, why are we zooming in somewhere else? Why are we zooming out of Klaistra and looking, um, looking at them from afar, from the vantage point of, the, of the, the nations of the world? Now, one thing this Parsha does is it kind of just takes us behind the curtain, which is really nice. It shows us how Hashem is there even when we don't realize it. But we did not necessarily have this, you know, back in Parsha's Chukas, when it was other nations doing it, when it was Amalek, um, when it was... Um, you know, when it was um, the other other nations that, that we had to address, when it was Sichon and Og, that didn't happen. We didn't, we didn't get their vantage point. So there's something to be said about the nature of this particular encounter between Balak and Bilam that makes it here. Um, why are we talking about this at all? So we mentioned last week, you know, you got to pay attention to the, the, the continuity of the Parshios. Parshas Chukas um, talks about Klan Yisrael, fighting wars against several nations. And the very last stop they make after Sichon and Og, they're by Arnon, which is by the border of Moab. So now that's where we are. We're by the border of Moab. So Klaistral is encamping there. They're getting ready. Moab apparently did not let them go through. And now Moab is looking for a plan. So that, so enter Balak. Balak is the king of Moab. So now we understand how we got here. Um, but then, you know, moving forward, why, why did we need this? We, we could have skipped a bunch of Parshios. We could have skipped to, um, to uh, Parshas Matos when we actually fight Midian and Moab. We're not, we don't actually fight Moab, actually, uh, but, but we fight Midian who get involved in the entire scenario. So why, why exactly is this, um, you know, is this Parsha necessary? What is the impact of Parshas Balak? Now, there's a very obvious answer um, at least for the end of Parshas Balak. The middle of Parshas Balak is not clear, and I'll, t- I'll explain what I mean. The impact of Parshas Balak, at least by the time we get to the very end, it's very easy to understand why you need the end of Parshas Balak, because that's what gets us into the war with Midian that's going to follow. Right, The entire plan B of of Balak is presumably why any of the story is here. We need to know about this story because this caused a massive plague in Klai Israel, killing out so many people. And 
Obviously, that warrants a response. This will be the last plague, the and all the last vestiges of Klyistral that needs to be weeded out before the Klyistral enters Eretz Yisrael happens here, and it ends in the beginning of, of Pinchas. And after that, we're going to be home free. We're going to you know, be at the home stretch. We're going to be on our way towards Eretz Yisrael finally once again after the, the 38 years, the wandering, the gullus, you know, the miraglim, everything that went wrong. The turnaround is about to happen, but the last blow takes place in Parshas Balak. And now we're about to go to war with with, um, with this nation, with at least with Midian, and then we're going to keep going. We're going to move forward after that. Um, so we need to know about the end. What about everything that leads up to it? What about the entire comical story of of Bilam and the donkey and the angel? Like, who, who needs all of this? Like, it's definitely entertaining. It would, the Parsha wouldn't be the same without it, but the Torah's not a storybook. So what, what, why do we need all of this? Okay, so I think that, that's an important question that we have to address. And I think the answer to this question, it can be found in the creation of plan B. Right? And this, this is important. We have to understand, you know, when you look at Parshas Balak, we naturally are inclined our, our, our eyes and ears are inclined towards the beginning of Parshas Balak. That's the entertaining part. That's the, that's the humorous part. That's, that's the part where Bilaam is getting frustrated and Balak is getting even more frustrated. You know, Bilaam is, is a tool in God's hand. It's really nice. It's really fun. And, you know, and, and that, that's the part of the story that we look at. And we laugh at Bilaam and we laugh at Balak. Balak doesn't seem to get it. He can't figure it out that, that Bilaam is in Hashem's control. All right, we, we laugh at that, and then all of a sudden we get to the end of the Parsha, and they, they, they win. You know, they, they, don't, they, may not, they might not win the war, but they win the battle at least. So how did that happen? Where did that switch come from? And again, why are we looking at things from the vantage point of the enemies to begin with? So the answer to these questions is very important. Let, let's talk about um, the, 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 that second part, about the, the seeing things from the view of Balak and Bilam. Why did the Chumash take us behind the curtain over here? So the reason is, for one thing, going back to where we came from in Parshas Chukas, the Chumash clearly has Chukas setting up the beginning of Balak. And what you see in Chukas is at least from Bullock's vantage point, again, is a reign of terror by Klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael is plowing through the nations, Sichon Og, knocking them off, and there's not much that anyone can do about it. Hashem is on their side, they're winning, they're expanding, they're, they're conquering. And Bullock, you know, the king of the next town on the list, is like, okay, now what? I'm next. That's the setup for Parshas Balak. Now, if you look at Balak's words, they should seem very familiar. You know, Balak, um, Balak starts off addressing the problem, right? He, he sees what he sees. He's not quite sure what to do about it. Parsha begins, He sees everything that the Bnei Yisrael did to the Amori. And the Moab is really afraid of it. Because there, there's... There are many. And they become disgusted with Mipnei Bnei Yisrael. These words familiar at all? That, that the, the concept of that there are many and they're becoming disgusted. 
So I mentioned earlier that seeing things from the vantage point of the enemy actually is something that even though we never had a whole entire Parsha devoted to it, we did have shades of it in an earlier Parsha, and that Parsha was Parsha Shmos with Paro. Paro also had a similar sentiment saying that they are many and that they are, you know, he said that they are mighty, Kirav, and he said that they are Tsum, and that we also find that well, uh, that there was um, the Lushan of Ayakats, that they became disgusted. The xenophobic response, came that, that disgust, which comes from a place of fear and hatred, that this is um, basically what, what xenophobia is. This is um, targeted specifically at, at Kalal Yisrael, making it an anti-Semitic xenophobia. But the point is, we've seen this before. It's interesting that Chazal tell us that Balak hires none other than Bilam, who was apparently an advisor to Paro. Meaning Balak says, who has seen this before, who could help me out? And he calls upon none other than Bilam. Okay, so keep, keep that um, you know, with you for now. And the Chumash also tells us, listen to this, um, it says that they, that, that they are like an ox, you know, eating all of the, the grass, so to speak. They're plowing through everything. And when he finally speaks to him, he says, Hine am Mitzrayim. A nation came out of Mitzrayim. Now they came out of Mitzrayim over you know, you know, over thirty years ago, almost forty years ago. So why is he talking about the fact that they came out of Mitzrayim? Unless Balak is thinking back to Paro. Balak is thinking back to the time that this nation came out of Mitzrayim, because this is what made them really incredible. Right? You might recall that that this is one of the things that Yisro heard that was really incredible about the Bnei Israel, that no nation had ever come out of the clutches of Mitzrayim. You have to be something else. There has to be something supernatural to explain how they got out of Mitzrayim. But a nation came out of Mitzrayim. I don't care if it was, it was almost 40 years ago. They made it out of Mitzrayim. And what are they doing? They're covering the face of the, the, the surface of the land. And guess what? We're next. We're, we're, they're, they're, they're right next to me. Covering the face of the surface of the earth. That's, a, that's also an expression borrowed from the story of the Exodus. We find that with the, with the locusts, right, the, uh, the, uh, the Arba, that they covered the surface of the land. What's interesting is it was in Makas Arba, just before that Maka, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm showing everyone um, that I made a mockery of the, of the Egyptians, right? And uh, specifically, we spoke about this in Parsha Panorama for Parsha's bow, but the, the nature of the mockery, it seems, was that Hashem, little by little, took away their produce. Do you think Hashem couldn't have used a bara to knock out all of the crops? He only did some of the crops, and then Arbet would come get the next round of crops. Why did Hashem have to do it in that step-by-step process? But it's a way of showing you, I could have finished you off, but I keep on giving you step-by-step. I'm giving you options. I'm giving you choices. I'm giving you chances. And you're still not getting it. You're not getting it. Paro was so stubborn and so foolish. Now we have another modern-day Paro, at least in the times of Balak, and it's Balak himself. Balak says, okay, I see that there's something else, but there's got to be some way. There's got to be some way I could defeat them. You know, on the one hand, Balak sees it, and in a sense he knows that it's a threat, but he's willing to test it. He's willing to see, you know, maybe there's something I can do to beat them. That's, that's, that's the setting for Parsha's Balak. We have an attempt to do what even Paro could not do. And of course, we know it's going to fail as well.
at least plan A is going to fail. Now, what was plan A? What was the nature of plan A? The nature of plan A was we're not going to just do war with them because that's not going to work. They're apparently supernatural. So what does he call on Bilaam to do? He calls on Bilaam, whether it's for black magic, for special cursing abilities. It seems like to some level they were tapping into the concept of tefillah. And in fact, um, Bilaam says this much. Midrashim quote this. You can look through Rashi. If you, if you look closely through the Rashis in this Parsha, they talk about how the craft of Esav, the craft of the sword, the craft of the hand is not necessarily going to work. The natural hishtadlis won't work. We need to do something more supernatural. We've got to tap into the kol kol Yaakov. So the, the, and so therefore they, they try to use the tool of the mouth because somehow that connects to the supernatural nature of, of Klai Yisrael's relationship with Hashem. And this is what Bilam is hired to do. And... The, what you have to appreciate then is that there's some premise for something like this working. The Gemara talks about how Bilam knew the moment that God would get angry, the right moment to say something that would hurt Klal Yisrael. And again, it doesn't work, but understand where they're coming from. This is the entire plan A. The plan A is these people, Balak and Bilam, they realize that they're not facing a natural threat in the Bnei Yisrael, but they're facing a supernatural threat. Now, the likes of which they couldn't possibly fully appreciate because they thought maybe we could just curse them and it'll work, which again, it didn't. Um, you know, Bilaam was forced to bless the, the Bnei Israel every single time. But what you have to appreciate, once again, is that, that Bullock and Bilaam are rightfully seeing something else when they look at the Bnei Israel. Now, all of this does not necessarily explain why we needed this entire Parsha. Because, again, you could still say, okay, this is a great story for the Midrashim. You know, let, let the Midrash tell us all the things that Bilam and Balak tried. Um, you know, this doesn't have to be in Chumash. And yet, it's not only in Chumash, but various Nevi'im record this story. Um, Yiftach talks about this story in last week's Haftarah, Parsha's Chukas. So in the Haftarah, which comes from Shoftim, so Yiftach talks about the story. In the Haftarah for this week's Parsha, we have um, from, taken from Micha. Micha talks about what Bilam and Balak tried to do. Apparently the story is a very important story because it's not, I don't believe it's just Shoftim and, and Micha from the Treaser, but I think if you look through Navi, you'll, you'll find many other references to this particular story of Balak and Bilam. Apparently the story is an important story that we needed to know, not just you know, for posterity, for, for the Chumash, but Navim upon Navim had, uh, had to continually tell Kleiserl about this story, which apparently happened. So well, why do we need to know this? What is the impact of this story? What is, well, you know, what, what does the Chumash want us to know? So it could be part of it, yes, is that Hashem is taking us behind the curtain. Hashem is showing us what nations try to do. But I think what's more important is the nexus between the beginning of the Parsha and the end of the Parsha. And this is going to be super, super important to understand what is the difference between Bilaam's plan A and Bilaam's plan B. Plan A, an utter failure. Plan B, a smashing success. How did Bilaam figure it out? Where did Bilaam go wrong in plan A that plan B would be so successful? And the answer has to do with what was wrong with plan A. The thing that was wrong with plan A was what helped Bilaam design such a successful plan B. Such that even though at the beginning of Parshas, Balak we laugh at Balak, we laugh at Bilam, and, you know, again, the donkey, the angel, the entire story. 
and Bilam hitting the donkey and the donkey talking back. We get it. It's, it's funny, it's enjoyable, but there's apparently much more. Because again, plan B, it worked. The guy whose donkey told him off got us. So what, what changed? So the, again, the answer is exactly what the Parsha is about, which we keep on saying, the viewpoint of the, of the enemy, the viewpoint of the villain. You see, as much as they try, as much as they want to make faces at us, as much as they want to curse us and say things about us, and even try to tamper with our lives from a distance, whatever they're going to do. So you look at Parsha's Chukas, Kalal Yisrael, once we figured it out and stopped complaining, we were successful. We would defeat nation after nation. You know, we're, we're at the home stretch. We're getting ready to go into Eretz Yisrael. There's no reason why anyone living at that time, besides from Moshe Rabbeinu maybe, there's no reason why any of them should not be able to go into Eretz Yisrael alive, healthy, and well. However, thousands of them are, thousands of them are not going to make it. And that's because of what happens at the end of Balak. So we'll, 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 that last cheap shot that, that Bilam got on B'nai Israel. So how did that work? And the answer is it wasn't really a cheap shot. It wasn't a cheap shot. It was a nice, fair, clean shot. And the only one to blame is Klal Israel. Because what happened? Yes, you know, Bilam should not have been introducing Midyani and Moavi women to, to coerce the B'nai Israel. Enoch Inami granted, that was a not nice thing for him to do. And he does get punished for it. But the, but the hit on Klal Yisrael came from the fact that, despite the fact that we were successful, despite the fact that Hashem fought the battle, the unseen battle Hashem was fighting for us against our enemies, they couldn't do a thing to us because we were doing everything right. But what did Bilam see that would help him be successful? He saw, He says, right now I'm incapable of cursing the Bnei Israel because I see their homes, I see their lifestyle, I see their modesty, their chastity, I see them doing everything right. And as long as they're doing everything right, Hashem's not going to do a thing to them, even if I curse them at the moment that Hashem is angry. But if I can get into the tents, if I can infiltrate, right now I'm on the outside looking in, not much I can do. But if I can get inside, then I can make, a, I can make an impact. If I can get inside, and Hashem will reasonably be upset with them for completely compromising the, the relationship and breaching their covenant with Him, then Bilam says, I, you know, we can be successful. And that's exactly what Bilam does. Just get some idolatrous women to get involved. And then, B'nai Israel, they fail. We were wondering earlier why the Chumash in Parshas Balak does not tell us that Bilam came up with this idea. The answer, I think, is because it shouldn't have mattered who came up with the idea. Klaistral could have stopped it at any moment. They could have said, hey, we should not be intermarrying and doing the, these, these vile acts and violating the Torah in such a fundamental way. They were fine until they let others enter their tent, until they let the outside world come in. They were fine. And it doesn't matter whose name the villain was who did it. They themselves should have not been concerned because when the villains are on the outside looking in, they can't touch us. So just do what you're supposed to do. And sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And that was, in fact, the story in Parshas Balak. 
right? There's a nice comical story to be spoken about when they're trying and failing. But it's because of why they kept on failing that ultimately, you know, that was the, that was where the strategy changed. We need to know why they failed to know why they succeeded. We need to know why they failed to know why we would fail later. They failed because we were doing the right thing. They succeeded because they caught us not doing the right thing. We failed at the moment that we weren't doing the right thing. That's the impact of Parsha's Balak. We need to know how things work in this world. Hashem protects us when we're doing the right thing. And that's, that's basically what it comes down to. And you can't blame anyone but yourself. You, you want to blame Bilaam, and he does, get, you know, um, he does get some of it. But at the end of the day, we were our own worst enemy. We should have, there, there were no excuses for us not to succeed. But that's what happens. We are on a different caliber. Bilaam and Balak saw that we were on a different level, that, that the way they would have to relate to us is different. They would have to affect our spirituality. That's exactly what they did by the end of the story. And it's important for us to know their failed attempt, again, so that we can realize that that could be every version of the story. We won't even know when Hashem is going to fight for us. That that could be every story, if not for the plan B. So we learn quite a great deal from this Parsha. And I think um, the, you know, the impact is so important. And we, we see that impact play out at the very end of Balak and also the beginning of Parsha's Pinchas, which is a great segue to the next Parsha. What we do have to still address is why the entire end of Parsha's Balak is not the beginning of Parsha's Pinchas, or why Parsha's Pinchas doesn't start you know, a few verses earlier by the words Vayar Pinchas, why there's that break. So that's a question that we'll have to address next week. But in the meantime... We have plenty to work with, plenty to think about for this week's Parsha. Again, one of the most unique Parshas in the Torah. And we, we see why, but we also see why we needed to hear it. And, uh, you know, I know it's an early edition of Parsha Panorama. Um, the reasons I wanted to make way for some of the lessons that are going to come later in the week in Baal the Workshop, and maybe even in Real Talk Torah, but the different shirim that we have here, I wanted to clear the way. Now that we have a good understanding of Parshas Balak and some of the stories that are in it, so now, Bezras Hashem, we're going to be in for a great week. So you have plenty to think about before Shabbos and before the rest of the week. So that said, have an absolutely wonderful week, and Bezras Hashem will pick up with Parshas Pinchas. Thank you for joining us here at The Database.